What's going on, fishing folks? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fisherman's Journal Podcast. I am that fisherman, Daryl Bars, and this is my journal in podcast form. And today I have another great episode because I want to talk to you about a company called Rod Geeks. And they got my attention basically because, as you guys already know who listen to the podcast, I am out to search for my double-digit bass, my first double-digit bass I'm trying to catch here in Florida. And, you know, driving around, there's always water nearby. So I have to have a rod with me so whenever I see some some fishy looking water that could hold a big bass, I am ready to go and to catch that fish of a lifetime. So I was looking for travel rods and shorter rods that I can keep in my van or my car that you know can always be handy when I have the urge to fish or when I see something that I have to catch fish in that particular pond or that river or lake or wherever I can do some bait fishing. And I came across this rod called the RG42. Now the RG42 is by Rod Geeks. It's a 42 inch uh, travel rod of sorts, it's a spinning rod. And um, it's short, just like I like short rods. It's like you guys probably know by now, if you listen to the podcast, I love my short rods. And uh, it's a spinning rod, which I love as well. I like uh, light tackle and the fairy wands, as some of you guys call it. But um, this particular rod is, is amazing. I just, I, it looked great, um, had really good reviews, and my buddy Anthony Hunt was using one as well and he had you know good feedback on it so in all i was like i gotta try it out so i got a couple uh, coming my way right now but i wanted to have the the president of Rogies come on and talk about the brand because doing some research i found out that Rogies, uh their parent company which we'll get into in the podcast with uh bob who's the president of Rogies, um they do a lot of different rods for a, comp- a lot of different companies and there's a really good chance that you might have a blank by this company that's made by this company in your arsenal right now under a different name so I, I invited bob into the podcast to speak more about it and tell us about his company about Rockies and what they have in store and it turned out into this really great podcast that you know gives us insight on rods and rod building and how to choose a really good rod if you go into your bass pro shop or capella cabela's and you know that way you won't get shasted on you know something that's not of good quality or something that from the manufacturer didn't turn out as well um so just listen to the podcast i'm gonna have bob on right now and then tell me what you think and see if you learned anything about ross because he's full of knowledge so we can definitely have him on again so without further ado let's get into this podcast and welcome bob pinnica with the raw geeks All right, fishing folks, I have another exciting podcast episode for you. I have Bob Pinnica on, and Bob is, uh, he works with Rod Geeks, but let me turn it over to him and let him say, blah, 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 <laughs> and let him explain to you guys who he is and what he's all about. So, Bob, how's it going this morning? Good, Daryl. How are you? I can't complain. Now, uh, Bob, explain who you are and uh, why you're on the podcast today. You know, I uh, I work for and I'm a partner in the biggest fishing rod company no one's ever heard of. Um, I, I'm with a company called Axiom North America, which is a partnership I have with St. Croix. And we operate a, a high-volume, state-of-the-art fishing rod factory located in central Mexico. And uh, I've been doing that for 10 years now. Uh, it's an interesting story. It all came about. I was working for Callaway Golf as the head of manufacturing and 2006, after a good 10-year run, decided I was ready for change, announced I was leaving, and one of my suppliers, who was making graphite golf shafts and graphite golf heads, approached me 
and said, hey, I'm 70 years old. I'd like to retire. Um, I think you should buy my factories located in China, develop an American customer base, and really try to grow the business. Well, one of the other products he was making in these factories, because some of the technologies are similar, is fishing rods. And his biggest customer was St. Croix. So I took his offer seriously. I started evaluating the opportunity and got to know the good people at St. Croix through the process. And I'm a, I'm a lifelong fisherman, so I was very intrigued by this. And we decided to form a partnership to explore this opportunity to buy these factories in China. And after an extensive due diligence process to say that was not a good idea for us for a number of reasons, but by then we had built a, a good relationship with each other. St. Croix had big opportunities to expand their market if they had a reliable source of high-quality fishing rods. So we decided to build our own factory in Mexico. So we we used their 60 years of knowledge at that time to um, to spec the best equipment, the best materials, use their procedures for all of our training of our workforce, and we just had our 10-year anniversary. So in September of 2008, we started making rods for St. Croix, and uh, 10 years later, we've built almost 2 million rods and rod blanks in that time. So Today, I oversee the factory. It's my primary job. I also work with our customers to develop their products and them what they need. And uh, I mentioned Rod Geeks. Um, that's a brand I created a few years ago to sell products factory direct to custom rod makers and fishermen. So that's who I am in the fishing rod business. Outstanding. So your primary job is to oversee operations of this big factory you have in Mexico. But seeing that you're a passionate fisherman, do you actually get involved in the rod design too, or do you just oversee the operations? I, I do get involved in rod design. For the longest time, um, I was just the medium between our customers and the engineering team at St. Croix, who would design and engineer all the products using their tools and experience to make sure we were making very high-performing and high-quality products for those customers. But in the last few years, I actually started doing the rod layouts myself and getting on the computer, the CAD system, and designing them. And then just recently, and I guess it's been about two years, Jason Brunner, who's the head of engineering at St. Croix and a blank design expert, taught me how to design blanks, gave me access to some of the tools he uses, so I've actually been designing blanks for the last two years as well. And we, so the blank, I think most fishermen know this, but it's the stick part of the rod, the carbon fiber or composite piece that's for the engine that drives the fishing rod. We sell those under the Rod Geeks brand to custom rod makers, and we do that factory direct. So I now design all the new Rod Geeks models, and I also work on uh, blank design changes for our, for our customers. St. Croix, of course, does all their own designs in-house, but for our other customers, I've become the chief designer. So it's been really fun and interesting to learn the nuances of rod design and apply my background in both manufacturing and engineering with a passion for fishing, and I'm, I'm somewhat obsessive about products themselves. I try to make them as perfect as possible. So it's been really fun to pull all this together now and, and do it in the fishing rod market. Good deal. Now, now, if you're a fisherman, you know who St. Croix is and you know what kind of quality rods they have, you know, day in and day out. Um, what Do you know what rods you actually build for them or can you say which rods are, come from your factory? Um, within the St. Croix family, uh, it's a lot of their high-volume products. Um, we build all the Mojo products. The Mojo Bass is probably the most popular of those. Oh, yeah. But there's also... Uh, 
Mojo Muskie, Mojo Kayak. That, that's a rod series that just won Best of Show at ICAST yep. this past summer. Uh, Mojo Trout, saltwater rods. There's saltwater jig rods. There's fly rods now. Really extensive line of Mojo, which are really high-performance, good-valid rods. Then we also make the Triumph series, which is a really broad-ranging product line that starts at ultra-light rods and goes all the way up to surf rods and musky rods and kind of covers everything in between, even including salmon and steelhead rods. So we make those. And then there's some species-specific rods we make. Uh, the Icon is a walleye series. There's a panfish series. There's Rio Santo fly rods, and, and there's more. You know, St. Croix has over 900 different models in their current catalog, and we make close to three of them, but it's the, it's all the high-volume stuff that we produce in Mexico to the exact same standards using the same materials that they use in their Wisconsin factory. Oh, wow. So a lot of people could be using rods from your factory, and they don't even know it. It, it's quite possible, yes. If you go to a Bass Pro Shop or a Field and Stream store, there will be a lot of St. Croix product in there made in our factory. And we make we make rods for several other regional brands as well, um, from from Texas to Florida, up the Atlantic coast. Um, and the, the regional brands don't always like to talk about their sources, so we, we don't share who those brands are publicly. But, uh, but we've got a pretty good, diverse business now, so we... We try to stay current and state-of-the-art in everything we do, and we, we offer that technology to to select customers that we work with. Outstanding. Now, I want to talk about your newest baby, about Rod Geese. Uh, for starters, where did that name come from? <laughs> A little bit crazy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, in, um, I guess it goes back about six years ago now. So let, let's say 2012, 2013, I was looking for opportunities to grow our business, and we had a we had this factory that was performing really well, um, putting out a lot of good quality product. And I was looking for ways to add value to the fishermen that didn't mean just making more seven foot rods and selling them into retail because I think that market's saturated already and the world didn't need another company doing that. So I identified an opportunity to make blanks in the factory and sell them directly to custom rod makers across the United States and all around the world. And most blanks that rod makers were using are made in overseas factories in China. There's a few made in Korea and Taiwan. They're sold by a sales agent to a distributor or retailer. Then they're sold to the to the rod maker. And there were just a bunch of layers of distribution in there. And I thought, boy, if I could find a way to go straight from our factory to the custom rod maker I could take a lot of middlemen out of that process, offer a much more compelling value of some very high-quality, high-performing product, and uh, maybe there's a business there. So I started researching it. I was calling custom rod makers I could find online to ask them if they thought there was a need for a, a product like that. And um, some of the people I talked to were really passionate and knowledgeable about fishing rods. And in one of those discussions, I, I said to this guy, Man, it's really nice to talk to another rod geek. I really appreciate, you know, all the input you're giving me. And he said, uh, I, I never use that term, but I kind of like being thought of as a rod geek. And it kind of clicked with me. I, I hung up the phone and I said, I think we'll be rod geeks. I like that name. And it's, you know, it's simple. It's kind of modern, but it really describes who we are and who we're trying to appeal to. So uh, in a market that was crowded, with names that tend to be three-letter abbreviations of somebody's initials or some technology, (laughs) 
initials. We came up with something different. And at first, some people rolled their eyes at us, but it seems to have caught on. And I, I knew we were on to something when about two years into the business, we uh, we were at the Custom Rod Maker Show in North Carolina. It takes place every February. And we had people now buying hats and T-shirts with our name and logo on it. And I thought, all right, this is a good thing. This seems to be resonating with our customer base. So along the way, we also identified that as a factory direct source, we could offer unique value in that we could paint the blank just about any color under the sun to give that rod maker exactly what he or she wanted to to create something unique for themselves or their customers. So we now offer over 30 different colors, and every blank that's ordered gets painted to order when the order is placed and put in the tube and shipped to that rod maker's business or, or house. So it, it's been a good run for us, and the uh, the custom rod business has been really educational for me. I've learned a lot about rod making, fishing rod design, and, and really about the industry in general. Yeah, and the name Rod Geese, it really resonates and it fits for the, the people that you're appealing to because to make a rod, you have to know exactly what you're doing and, and how you want it. And, you know, people really geek out over what kind of rod they want. So I think it's a perfect fit. I appreciate that. Thank but you. I want to go into uh, your first rod model, the 42-inch spinning rod that you have. Now, er- everyone who knows me knows that I'm a, a I love shorter rods and it appeals to me because it's a shorter rod. It's perfect for travel, um, but it's good enough to handle a day to day, you know, fishing activities. So uh, let's talk more about that spinning rod, uh, the RG42. Uh, why such a short rod for your first rod? You know, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, certainly a 42 inch spinning rod is an unconventional product. And it was designed, as you just said, as kind of a go anywhere fish anytime pricked. And the idea came to me uh, back when I was in the golf industry. I'd be playing golf, and I'd be not a great golfer, so I'd always be near the water, it seemed. But walking along the edge of these ponds on golf courses, and I'd see these bass in the shallow water sunning themselves, and I always thought, man, if I had a little rod right here in my golf bag, I could make a couple of casts and probably probably pick off a couple bass here before I go up to the green and try to, try to make my bet. And and I always thought there could be a need for a for a short rod like that, not just in golfing, but for life in general. And then um, as as the years went by and I was in the fishing rod business, I felt like I had acquired the knowledge and experience to maybe design such a rod and, and make it work. And at the same time, we're looking at lifestyle trends and we're saying, boy, people are really on the go now. Um, you know, as a fisherman, you know, a seven foot rod is not easy to store in a car or truck. It's, you know, even if you, even if you get a two piece, they get, they get tangled up. The guides get bent. It's just fishing is a wonderful activity, but the equipment can sometimes be a bit difficult to deal with. And we're also looking at the demographics of not only are people on the go, but they have a diverse set of interests and hobbies and they spend less time doing each of those, but they do more things. And we saw a survey that said that uh, 80% of the fishermen out there say they'd like to fish more often. And the other thing they say is that um, they like it when other people ask them to fish. They wish somebody would say, hey, let's go fishing. So if you're, out, if you're listening to this, you're probably a fisherman. Tell someone, let's go fishing, because they, they'll probably be happy to hear it and they'll want to go with you. But the 42-inch rod was designed to make fishing access easy. So, you know, we, we sell it as a combo with a good quality spinning reel, spooled with 10-pound test line. It comes in a case that's really easy to transport. It's got a shoulder strap, so you hang it over your shoulder and you go. 
It comes with a tackle tray, a good quality pair of fishing pliers, and there's pockets on there as well to put your phone and your wallet and keys in. So really, everything you have is right there. It's organized, it's compact, and it's ready to go. All the components are the same components, same materials in the blank we use in our tournament quality rod. So even though it's a 42-inch rod, it is a really high-quality fishing implement. And we offer that whole kit, everything turnkey ready to go, for $149 free shipping. And the the rod really works, Daryl. We we spent almost 18 months optimizing that blank to make sure that in a 42-inch rod, you could still cast it far enough to be fun to use and practical yet have have the backbone you needed to to fight a big fish and the the biggest fish i've heard caught so far on the rod is a non, nine pound redfish that someone caught uh off the gulf in uh in, in texas but i've i've caught a i've caught a five and a half pound smallmouth myself on one problems with it so it's actually really fun to to fish with and um it's 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 sensitive it's durable and it it really does work so We've gotten some good feedback on it as well, but the most interesting thing we're hearing that I didn't anticipate is that um, people love the fact they can pull it right out of the case, unhook the bait from their hook keeper, and be casting immediately. And when they're done fishing, you just reverse the process. You put your hook back in the keeper, crank the handle a little bit to tighten up the line, put it in the case, and you're on your way. So people have really told us that because that's easy, they're fishing more often. They drive by that pond out in front of their apartment building, or they, they would be on this bridge thinking, man, I could uh, probably catch some fish in this river down below, and they're doing more of that. So we're really happy to hear that because the goal was really to make fishing more accessible and not make it such an event that required so much planning. So we're, we're pleased with it so far, and uh, we're going to continue to develop fishing rods that are made for people on the go. That's That's where Rod Geeks is going to try to carve out a niche in the fishing rod industry. Now, Bob, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, but when we get back, I want to talk about rod building. And uh, if you have any advice to somebody who's starting to build their own custom rods by themselves at home. Hey, everyone. Aaron here from Woo Tungsten. We get asked all the time, why did we call it Woo Tungsten? What we did is we wanted a brand that we could have some fun with. We're anglers ourselves building a brand in a community for other anglers around an amazing product. We were super tired of spending a ton of money on high-end tungsten and having it chip after just half a day. We've got some of the toughest paint in the industry, some of the best weight designs that come from some of our elite anglers to make sure that we've got one of the best products at the best prices for you at the same time making a brand in a community that's going to make you yell woo on and off the water. We couldn't be more proud of what we've done. We love what we're doing, and you will too. Check us out, wootungsten.com. Stop buying cheap braid. Hey guys, this is Cody from fanatictackle.com. Like many of you, I've spent thousands of dollars on braided fishing line in the past years, always looking for the best deal to get the job done. What I didn't realize was how much money I was wasting by having to repurchase more often than I should. Fanatic Pro Series braid is built to last. It doesn't fade or bleed, casts extremely well, and is highly abrasion resistant. So you can spend less time buying and more time on the water. Go to fanatictackle.com to pick up braid that is built for performance angling. Alright, let's face it. Fishing apps are popping up everywhere, but they're here to stay. I've tried my fair share of them, and along the way, I found Angler. 
Angler is like a combination of all of my favorite fishing tools under one roof. Angler has taken my boat electronics, weather reports, fishing logbook, and a whole community of other like-minded fishermen and placed it all inside my smartphone, tablet, and desktop for free, giving me a powerful fishing tool to record, learn, compete, and collaborate with other serious anglers. Look, Angler is not just another fishing app. It allows me to connect optional Bluetooth devices that keep me off my phone and record all the fishing information for me. I've been fishing with the Angler Bullseye for over two months now, and I've recorded all of my catches and waypoints by just clicking the Bullseye button. It's that simple to get all the fishing information I need. I just focused on fishing, and the Angler did the rest. The best part is that all of the information that I did record is completely private and saved securely on my Angler account. So are you ready to give it a try? Just head over to angler.com. That's A-N-G-L-R.com. 100% free to join, 100% free to use. Now, you work with a lot of custom rod makers in the industry that you're in. What advice could you give someone who's interested in building their own custom rod? Uh, Do it. Um, You know, the whole thought of building a custom rod can be intimidating to people because they'll see They'll see a rod made by an expert rod maker, and it's got a fancy thread wrap on it, and it's it looks pretty. And then they hear that, oh man, ripping all that thread takes a lot of time, and it's frustrating. And you know, there, there's certainly some learning curve involved, but building a rod's a lot of fun, and you don't need to do all that decorative work to make a functional fishing rod that's uniquely built to your preferred style of rod. It's it's a few simple steps. You can even buy kits that have the materials you needed prepped and ready assembly but you know you you glue the handle onto the rod blank you glue the real seat on then you have to wrap the guides and they're wrapped with thread and this is the part of the process that can scare some people off because there's a learning curve involved but you you can buy a uh, a home thread wrapper that is compact and and does the job and make it makes it easy for you to wrap the guides and once the guides are wrapped you have to apply epoxy to those threads to permanently encase them, make them durable out in the elements. And that epoxy is a, is a two-part material you mix together, and you have to have a motor that rotates the rod, so you apply the epoxy with a brush as the rod's being rotated. But this, this material is self-leveling, and it might take as long as eight hours to cure to the point that it's no longer flowing. So the rod has to be rotated the whole time that epoxy is curing. So you do need some specialized equipment to build a rod, but it's it's really not nearly as intimidating as some might think. And there are a lot of videos online now that show you each of the steps and, and make it simple. You'll need to spend a little bit of money on equipment to make it easy on yourself to build a rod. And for probably between 100 and $150, you'd have what you need to build a rod in a pretty efficient way. And the first couple of rods somebody will build probably won't be pretty, but they'll be very functional. But I mean, I went through this transition myself and others I've seen, you improve very quickly. By the time you're building your third or fourth rod, you've gotten pretty efficient at it. Your workmanship is getting better and you can, you can build some things that you're pretty proud of and that work really well. And from there, if you choose to, you can get into the more advanced decorative techniques and they, they do take more skill and more study, but they're they're pretty gratifying as well. So rod make is one is one of those things that you don't need to obsess about it and 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 try to spend every waking hour doing it. You can take the hobby as far as you want, 
but the act of actually building a rod to your liking is not complicated at all, and it's well within the capabilities of most fishermen. Now, even saying how it could be simple and it only takes a, a couple of rods to get used to it, some people are not going to, they're going to say, I just don't want to do it. And they have to go to a custom rod maker to have a rod made to their specifications. Now, with you and rod geese, are you a custom rod maker yourself? Um, I, I do build rods myself. I, I build about 20 to 30 per year. And there's a, there's a range that, uh, of what I build. Um, sometimes we're trying to develop a, a new, can I get the sample from the factory? And I'm very eager to get it out and fish with it and see how it works. When that happens, I'll do a very simple build. I'll put simple off the shelf handles on it. I'll do a, just a really quick layout of the guides, wrap the guides on and take it out and go fishing. So that's a bare bones rod that's fully functional, but not necessarily embellished with any cosmetics sometimes i'll i'll do a full detailed thread wrap on them as well we have a we have a pro staffer in texas i just built a rod for where i did what's called a fish scale wrap so it's a bunch of little triangles with uh colors that transition from dark to light kind of looks like fish scales and um i spent almost 30 hours doing that wrap because it was kind of beyond my capabilities and i wanted to get it right but it's football season for me. I'm a football fan, so I'd have a football game on in the background and be be wrapping rods. And I wouldn't necessarily do that one for too many people, but it's something I wanted to do to learn how to do it. And I know uh, that might have been thirty wraps, but or thirty hours. Next time I do one, it'll probably take fifteen to twenty hours because you know each time you do these things, it, it gets it gets easier. But uh, it's a very gratifying process and. Uh, I would I would encourage anyone that's at all intrigued by it to consider it. Good deal. On a side note, you know, you're up in New York. Are you a Bills fan or a Jets fan or a Giants fan? Uh, a little painful this year, Daryl, but I, I'm a Giants fan. I, I moved to New York 10 years ago. My wife's originally from this area, and all of our relatives up here are Giants fans. So to get along with the family Sunday afternoon dinners, I had to I had to become a Giants fan as well, and I I have become one. So there's there's some talent on the team, but they're still trying to figure out how to put it all together. Well, don't feel too bad. I'm the only Floridian down here that's a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So we've had hard seasons year in and year out. Yeah, I understand. Oh well, better times ahead, Daryl. Yeah, exactly. But back to the topic at hand, uh, a lot of our listeners are getting ready for the 2019 tournament season. Uh, they're tournament fishermen, and they're going to be asking, should they be using a custom-made rod, or should they go to Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's and, and, and buy a rod off the shelves? You know, I can't guarantee that if they had a custom rod, they're going to win more tournaments or win more money. But I, I do think the benefit is that uh, tournament anglers especially spend a lot of time on the water, and they... They know what they like. And when you build your own rods, you can build it exactly to your liking. So some people love what's called a spiral wrap on their bay casting rods. And that's where the, the guides transition from the top of the blank in line with the reel to the bottom. So you, you end up having the tip part of the rod look like a spinning rod where the tip top and the guides up near the tip are on the bottom of the rod. And although they, they start on top, so they spiral around. Some people believe that really helps the blank load up more evenly. There might be a little truth to that, but I think the bigger benefit is you can use fewer guides in the tip section because you're not worried about line slap or line dragging along the blank in the tip section when the line is up on top. 
So you can truly make your rod lighter and more sensitive by using a wider guide spread in the tip. So spiral wraps are something that a lot of custom rod makers use that are generally hard to find in a retail environment. So that's that's a, a possible consideration. The other thing is people have different handle style they prefer. Some like a solid handle, some like a split handle. There's certain shapes that some like more than others. There's uh, the foam EVA-type handles versus cork. Everybody has their preferences. Um, handle length is a big one. I I built a, a flipping stick for somebody earlier this year who wanted a 14 to 15-inch handle because he really likes that long lever underneath the real seat to tuck underneath his forearm and go all the way down to his elbow. Other people see a 15-inch handle on a rod and they think, that's terrible. Every time I cast with it, I hit myself in the stomach with it. So it all comes down to preferences. And when you're when you're making your own rods, you can make them exactly the way you prefer them. So I think for a tournament angler, you fish all day, you might be out for eight hours, you know exactly what you want, you're going to be very comfortable with rods you've built yourself, and it'll give you more confidence because you'll you'll know uh, that you're fishing with the rod exactly the way you want it to be. So, I, again, I can't guarantee you're going to win more money or have a personal best the first time you fish a, a custom rod, but I do think you can help your comfort and your psychology by knowing that everything is dialed in the way you like it. You know, I couldn't agree more. There's nothing better than using a rod that's built to your specifications and your specific needs. But let's say I don't want to build my own rod and I'm going to the tackle store, Bass Pro, Cabela's, your local uh, tackle shop, mom and pop shop. Uh, how do I tell a good quality rod from a bad one? That's actually a great question because there's much marketing hype out there that oh, yeah. uh, companies use to try to influence people. There can be a lot of mixed messages. So what I do when I go and evaluate rods is I will first do a visual inspection. And I'm I'm kind of a fanatic over blanks. So I want to know, first of all, is the blank straight? Pretty easy to tell. You know, hold it hold it up, look right down the rod and make sure the blank is straight as you as you go from the handle section or the butt out to tip. Then along with that, I look at the guides. Are the guides aligned? And uh, I want to see that all of those are in position. And here's one, Daryl, that people tend to miss, and it's really critical because when it's wrong, it'll drive you crazy. And that is always make sure the real seat is aligned with the guides too. Hmm. I've seen rods at retail where the blank is straight, the guides are nice and straight, and the real seat's off by about two degrees. And that rod is going to be pretty disappointing the first time somebody puts a reel on threads their line through it and realizes that the two are not in alignment with each other. So check for that one, too. That's one a lot of people don't think of when they're in the store. So overall, I look at the workmanship. It's it's alignment. It's the straightness. Then it's, do I see glue smeared around any of these components? Um, are there any cosmetic flaws anywhere? And to me, I think if somebody went to the trouble to get all that right, then I have more confidence the blank is right. But if I if I see workmanship flaws that are visible, it makes me doubt the quality of the rod in general. And the blank is harder to tell what's going on because, you know, the the real uh, key parts of that are invisible to, to the eye. You have to have other ways to measure and test that. So uh, I look for the obvious things first. And if all those look good, then I do have some simple things I do to try to evaluate the blank. And if I assume a fisherman knows there's a certain technique they have in mind and there's a certain action they like for that technique, it can still be sometimes hard to pick from the two or three rods that look like they're pretty close to to meeting what you want that rod to do. 
and I caution people about what I call the modulus myth. You know, there are a lot of manufacturers out there that will talk about, uh, oh, we use the highest modulus, or this is ultra high, it's 90 million bazillion somethings in this rod, and it's the one you need. And I call it the modulus myth because, in general, you can make a higher-performing fishing rod with a higher modulus material. So, Daryl, I would tell you modulus, think of as stiffness of the carbon fiber. Mm -hmm. And the reason why you can make a higher-performing rod with higher modulus materials is because it's stiffer, you can use less of that material to put the same backbone in a rod that would be required of a low modulus material. And when you put less material in there, it's going to be lighter. It's also going to be more sensitive because the more mass you put in a rod blank, the more energy dissipation you have. So as the tip is vibrating and you're trying to feel your bait and feel that bite, you, you want to communicate that vibration to the fisherman. It comes down the blank through the reel seat and, and into your hand. And that's why so many reel seats nowadays are exposed blank reel seats. So you can feel the blank directly. So yes, higher modulates a more sensitive rod. The other thing high modulus does is it, um, it, it, it affects what we call recovery, which is when the rod is bent under a load, say it's from a, a fish biting, um, when you remove that load, the rod straightens out again. That We call that process recovery. It goes from being bent to wanting to straighten out again to its natural state. The quicker and more efficiently that a rod recovers, the more sensitive it is. So the, the stiffer, higher modulus materials will recover more quickly, and that translates to sensitivity for the fishermen. But where it uh, it gets a little bit dicey, is that some manufacturers will claim they're using these very high modulus materials, but they might only use a little bit in the bottom 12 or 14 inches of the rod blank to stiffen up the handle a little bit, and it's really not going to affect anything else, but they'll market it as having this really exotic material in it, and it's probably there, but it's not affecting the performance of the fishing rod uh-huh. that much. Also, what we've learned over the years, I've learned this from the good, my good friends at St. Croix, Resin content is critical. So every every material that's used to make a fishing rod is called a prepreg. It's carbon fibers or fiberglass previously impregnated with resin, which is an epoxy-like material. And we try to design all of our materials to have the absolute minimum amount of resin needed to hold the structure of the rod blank together. That means our materials are expensive because there's a lot more carbon fiber in them than there is resin. Others will use much higher than content material because it's much cheaper and it still fishes okay if it's done right. But when you're using a rod like that, you're fishing more with epoxy than you are carbon fiber. So there's a couple of factors that go into play there that need to be considered. And there is a simple test you can use when you're in that tackle store trying to decide which rod you really like and which one's really the better performing blank. And what I like to do is hold the rod by the reel seat. I'm right-handed, so I'll hold the reel seat in my right hand, and I'll take my left hand, and I'll take the heel of my left hand and hit the bottom of the rod, down where the the bottom of the handle is or the butt grips on there. Smack it pretty hard, and the whole rod starts rating. And if you watch the tip, you'll see pretty quickly how the tip wobbles, and then it recovers. It, It settles in and becomes a straight rod again. The more quickly you see that recovery occur, the, the better quality of materials when they're making that blank. Um, another way to do it, hold the rod in one hand and 
hit it with the side of your hand just above the fork or above the real seat, kind of give it the karate chop, if, if, if you will. But either way, you send the blank into this state of vibration, and you can hold the two side by side and do this test. You'll see which blank recovers the most quickly. It settles out and have confidence that that's a better quality blank that's going to be more sensitive and probably a better performing fishing rod. Wow, that, that's a lot of good information. Now, Bob, you're showing why your name is Rod Geeks right now. Well, uh, as I told you earlier, this this is the kind of stuff we, we obsess over, but it's it, it's really fun to study this stuff, and I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of it with fishermen because there's so many choices out there. It's easy to get caught up in the marketing hype, but it, it's it's nice to help people make good choices before they spend their money. Now, you don't have to name names right now, of course, but do you see certain brands out on the market who are just not that good of a of, of a rod making company that sells? I don't want to say crap, but they don't sell the quality that a lot of people think they sell. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, as you said, I, I won't name names, but. Um, if you learn to do some of these basic tests and do the inspection I talked about a few minutes ago, I think you can filter through that pretty quickly yourself. And, and a good way to do it, especially on evaluating the quality of blank materials, is grab a fiberglass rod that you know is fiberglass. Maybe it's a crankbait rod. Maybe it's a saltwater rod. You know that's a low modulus material. That's I mean, it's got its benefits, too, if, if used properly, like in a crankbait rod. But if you do a te- the test I just described with a fiberglass blank and then grab a high-performance carbon fiber blank and do it with that, you'll immediately get a feel for the differences I'm talking about. Gotcha. Then you can go evaluate the, the, the other blanks. But So, yes, there are some products out there that are pretty shiny sometimes that they're being marketed and sold for the prices they are. But also, there's a lot of good stuff out there now, too, and generally manufacturers have gotten better. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of good choices out there for fishermen. So, you know, good, good and bad, like any product line. And the key is just creating some consumer awareness to know what you're looking at. Good deal. Good deal. Now, I don't want to hold you too long. I know you have a lot of work you have to do today, but uh, I want to ask you a couple more questions. The first is, where do you see the fishing rod technology going in the future? Is it going to upgrade uh, like a lot of products do, or is it going to kind of taper and stay the same? Oh, I don't, I don't think development will ever stop because uh, it's a big enough business. People want to create competitive advantage when you're on my side of it. And also, fishermen are passionate people. You know, they, they love their activity and they always want something new and better if it's available. So development will certainly continue. And the, the trend for the past few years has been always lighter and stronger. That really started in the I guess the mid to late 70s when graphite blanks or carbon fiber and graphite are interchangeable terms in our industry, but when those came available. So I think that trend will continue. Um, There's a new material that's come out in the last few years that's not yet available in fishing called graphene, which is an interesting carbon-based material. It's only one atom or one molecule thick made in sheets, and it, it takes the idea of a lighter lighter and stronger to a level that goes way beyond anything we've ever seen in the fishing industry. And right now it's not commercially available. And even if it were, it would be such a price point. It would be very prohibitive in fishing rods. But I could see graphene coming into the mix in a few years and creating that next level of breakthrough and lighter and stronger. But in the meantime, you know, handle materials change. Uh, 
Uh, blank durability is a big thing. Fishermen tend to be hard on their rods. A lot of people break rods, usually through mis- mishandling. But uh, we, we, in fact, recently made some significant breakthroughs in durability as to how to make a truly high-performing rod that has unprecedented levels of, of durability. And we're starting to incorporate that technology into the Rod Geeks products. I'm excited about that. Um, we're also looking at ergonomics because when you look at the basic rod design, you, you, you wrap your, your hand around the grip and the reel seat. It's really not an ergonomic configuration. You know, if in general, that load you're putting on a rod is at 90 degrees or, or some extreme angle to your hand in the way that your hand and arm want to naturally manipulate a fishing rod. So we're looking at ways to make that your true interface with the rod more ergonomically comfortable to give you more control and more power. So we look at all these things and uh, we'll continue to do that. But lighter and stronger, I think will continue to happen. But I really think there's a diminishing return on that right now. And maybe graphene will change that. But we're looking at other ways to, to advance the fishing rod on, on top of already using what we think are the best blanks in the world. I'm glad you mentioned graphene because I was going to talk to you about that off the the podcast because I know of one company that's using graphene in in, in their rods and but the price point is around like six to seven hundred bucks for a fishing rod so it's extremely expensive. The the other thing I would caution you I don't know what company or what specific technology you're talking about but I will tell you because we are a large manufacturer and of course Saint Croix is extremely well known around the world. Vendors of that type of technology come to us all the time because if they can get us to specify it in the rods we build, they reach critical mass, the very high volume business in applying their new technology, their new breakthrough. And we've had graphene presented to us on several occasions, and it's not presented as a main component that makes up a like the carbon fiber segment of the blank now that creates the high performance like it's presented as a powder that get mixed into the resin that's in the pre-preg. Yep. And it serves the same purpose as nanotechnology, which is a term you heard six or seven years ago. Well, that nanotechnology is a bunch of really fine particles that get mixed into the resin, and they really function as a crack arrester. So if somebody overstresses a rod and the resin system starts to fail, that crack hits one of these little particles and it stops at that point. It doesn't continue to separate up and down the length of the rod. So it was a nice advance. It makes a rod more durable. It might let you make that rod just a little bit lighter in how you design the blank. But graphene yet, as it's been presented to us, is not the wholesale breakthrough of this is now the primary material that dictates how a blank is built and how it performs. So we... uh you know, we've, we've looked at it. We don't think it's the point yet where it's a compelling breakthrough, breakthrough, and we don't like to play the marketing hype game. If we do something that's a legitimate breakthrough, we'll implement it and talk about it. But something we think is over-exaggerated, we stay away from. Good to know. Good to know. Now, one more question. I'm going to let you go. Um, basically, what's next for Rod Geeks? What do you have in store for the future? For Rod Geeks, we're going to continue to um, design innovative blanks that uh, that cover a wide range of fishing techniques and tactics and we're we're really excited about that we we use our work with the custom rod makers to not only have a viable business but i mean we we have 
several thousand field testers, and they're, they're kind of our R&D techs out there in the field that tell us what works and what doesn't, and they identify the needs for us as to where we should spend our design time. So we'll continue to do that, then we'll take what we think we're learning from that experience, and we'll apply it to finished fishing rods that we, that we offer under the Rod Geek's name. And in the short term, we're going to continue to focus on lifestyle rods that are the go-anywhere, fish-anytime rods because we think there's a big part of the market that, that's been overlooked for too long. And we want to help more recreational fishermen spend more time on the water. So we'll continue to focus there, but we always have our eyes open for new opportunities. We're always looking at new technologies, and we will apply them when we get them. You know, we, we wouldn't be rod geeks if we didn't do that. Well, like I say, I'm a big fan of rod geese and what you have going on. And as we talk off the record, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of rod building and I have a little project coming up that you know a lot about. So I want to get you back on the podcast. We can talk more about rod building. Um, I want to have a podcast on spiral wrapped rods and just, you know, what our listeners want to know about rods, because there's a lot of information out there that you could provide for us. So hopefully we can get you back on the podcast and talk more fishing. Daryl, count me in. I'd be happy to talk about all those topics with you anytime you're ready. Good deal, Bob. Well, thanks again for coming on. I do appreciate it, and we'll definitely hear from you a lot more. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, Bob. Take care. Goodbye. Alright fishing folks, a few news and notes for before I let you guys go. Um, thanks again to Bob Pinnaker for coming on and spreading his knowledge about rod building and telling us about rod geese and how all of us probably have a rod geese rod in our arsenal that we don't even know about. But um, we'll definitely have Bob back on to talk about some more rod building and just rod specific techniques and topics that we're going to be covering in the very near future. Uh, another thing fishing folks, we will be announcing the project I'm, I'm going to be doing in the very near future. Stay tuned. Follow us on Instagram, hashtag the Fisherman's Journal. Um, that's where all of the, the giveaways and the information are going to be dropping very soon before Christmas, I promise you. But like always, please follow the podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartMedia. Follow us on all of those things or whatever one you listen to. We're also on Facebook and YouTube, the Fisherman's Journal and the Fisherman's Journal TV on YouTube. Please follow us, like us, share us with the rest of your friends and family who enjoy fishing as well. But until next time, guys, thanks again for following us and listening. Until next time, tight lines and big fish. <laughs>